Welcome to the latest episode of How Shit Gets Made, a glimpse into the secret world that influences how products, services, and brands come into our lives. So welcome, everybody. I'm super excited to have you all here on How Shit Gets Made, Mind Sparks podcast about the people behind the products, services, and brands we love. Today, I have a really exciting guest with me. Really glad to have Yuri Martins, who is a senior product designer at Typeform. Hello, Yuri. Hey, Nikki. Thank <laughs> you so much for, for the invitation. Yeah, really glad to be here. And, yeah, and thanks for yeah. joining. We were so excited to see you uh, talking about a subject that we already find really important um, to be discussed and really glad that you were willing to talk about it even more with us. Um, as you were just saying when we were preparing for the recording, you've talked about this subject many times, so I'm glad you're willing to talk about it at least one more time uh, for MindSpark. So thanks again for joining. So um, I kind of just want to jump right in and I would love to start out with something a little bit very general. So for people who do not know what is Typeform, we at MindSpark do know Typeform and actually we use it. We are clients of Typeform. <laughs> um, but maybe you could tell uh, the listeners what is Typeform? Yeah, so I think if we try to go to the basic concept of what Typeform is, um, we are an online form builder. So when you sign up to Typeform, you're going to be able to build uh, a form, a quiz, a survey. Um, it can be for feedback. It can be for just a satisfaction survey that you're doing or research purpose. Um, but in the, the core, we are a form builder. Um, I think how Typeform differentiates from the market is that we're built in a way that you build these forms and surveys in a more conversational way. Um, mm. We always ask one question at a time, which gives you a lot of the freedom of making this a conversation and not just you asking for people's data. So... I think one very simple example is if you want to ask for somebody's um, name, surname, and email, instead of just having fields with name, first name, surname, and email, you could start asking like, hello there, um, how should we call you? And then you, you put your name and you can also use the information from the, from the first question already to populate the second question. So you're going to tell me your name and I'll say, oh, hey, Nikki, and how about your surname? And after that, it can, we can ask again, like, okay, um, last but not least, what's your email? So you can build a conversation and not just ask bluntly um, the data that you, you want to know about the person. So, yeah. And I think this with the design features that we have is what makes Typeform Typeform. Yeah. I remember when I first came across Typeform before we had started using it, I was actually trying to do some price research for mm -hmm. a particular service that I wanted to um, investigate. And I came across uh, a company that was using Typeform and I had never seen, you know, normally you see like, okay, here's our menu of pricing. And if you have any question, well, 
you'll have to contact the people and then you start a sales conversation. And I wasn't ready for that yet. But this one company, they had a type form and they said, okay, are you looking for this or that? Well, that. And okay, since you want that, do you want this level of service or that level of service? And it was amazing because I didn't have to talk to a human being, but I was able to get like a really precise answer about mm -hmm. the pricing estimate for the service that I wanted to get. Um, and it was fun because, as you say, it was really conversational. It was like it was the fun of talking to a person without the stress of feeling like I was going to have to give them my soul or I was definitely going to have to commit to the sale right now. It was like really easy to get the information. So as soon as I saw that, I sent the link to the company uh, of, of the company for the service to my team. And I said, we need to use Typeform immediately. <laughs> And then we did shortly after we bought our license and we used it all the time, actually, for internal and external processes. So, yeah, I, I think that's one of the other great things I love about Typeform. We use it for our um, employee feedback. So mm -hmm. for our annual reviews, we have questions that are in Typeform and people can go and fill them out. And that's how we do our review system. Oh, that's really perfect. Fun. Yeah, I yeah. have to say that we we always we also use Typeform internally at Typeform. So. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so maybe now you can tell us a little bit about you. So you're a senior product designer at Typeform. What do you do exactly? Yeah, so I've been working there now for almost two and a half years. Um, and I've been through a few different teams there, a few different product teams inside uh, Typeform. Nowadays, I'm work currently working in two teams, which um, one team is focused on the creator experience, so how you create the type form, um, and the other team is focused on how you respond to type form. So it's on the respondent, which usually will be the customer of our customer. So mm -hmm. they're two very different experiences and two experiences that are focused on on different people, but we understand that there is a lot of um, exchange between them because it is the creator who creates the type form that the respondent will respond. Um, right. And we need to always make sure that we are providing the, the right and the best tools possible for the creator to, to provide the best experience for their respondents. So these teams, like we work very close to each other and I'm the designer for, for these teams. Okay. And not only these, we started in the end of 2019, the, the accessibility initiative, which um, luckily I've been part of from, from the beginning. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question is we we know, I know that you have a passion for this accessibility work. So I would love to know a bit more where that passion came from for you. So maybe it came from something in the personal life. Maybe it came from something on the professional side. Where did you start to become interested in being involved with accessibility work? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it, it, it definitely evolved through time. Um I was very lucky to be in the position that I were that I, that I was at Typeform um, when we really started work like talking about accessibility and understanding that we need to make sure our Typeforms are accessible. Uh, and this was in 2019. This started with the with an engineering initiative, and then we were also lucky that our design director 
also wanted to focus on accessibility. And then on a personal level, I think we are always trying to understand ways that we can make our work meaningful um, mm -hmm. and we can make a difference. And for me, I saw in accessibility a way to make my work meaningful. But I think it started evolving in the sense of these started, these stopped, I stopped feeling these as this is not a more about making my work meaningful, but this is actually a duty that I have nowadays on my mm. work. As, as you understand that we need to make sure we are inclusive, that everyone can use Typeform. Um, we shouldn't let anyone out. And because we get this understanding and we had the opportunity to make, I think now it's our duty just to make it. So mm -hmm. it is to work as hard as we can and the best we can to make sure that we are making Typeform accessible. And I think this is how it evolved. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think it's it's an interesting uh, evolution for sure to know that it, like I like the idea that it started from making the work meaningful, but actually it's it's almost like, well, it's not really for me, right? It's not for me to have my work more meaningful. It's actually something I should mm -hmm. be doing. It should be automatic. And really others, you know, other brands should be doing the same. So, which is part of why we, we were so happy that you agreed to talk to us today is maybe others can listen in and hear about what you're doing at Typeform and be inspired to take on this same approach and thinking about accessibility. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what are some of the ways Typeform has made progress in being more inclusive and more accessible? Yeah, yeah. again, um, I think it, it started in 2019, but we for sure had a bigger focus in, in the beginning and until like throughout 2020 that we started first just testing Typeform against the WCAG, the Web Accessibility Standards, um, to understand if we were, were meeting the standards or not. Uh, and we got to a point that we were improving a lot. But at the same time, we saw that in a few places, even though we were meeting these standards, the experience was still not very accessible. Like mm. we could say that we were accessible, but when users went to use it, it was not that good. So at a point we spoke to a user, to a screen reader user, and we saw that we still had a lot to improve there. And after talking to him, we saw that it was not only about making sure that we were following the, the WCAG um, requirements, but we really needed to involve assistive technology users in the beginning from uh, from the beginning of our process. Mm -hmm. So we started looking into ways that we could, in our research, bring assistive technology users to it. And not only we didn't want people that could use assistive technology just to replicate what the experience right. was, but actually real users that use these on the day-to-day -day, and maybe they've been using these their whole life or during years. So they're really the experts there. And 
Last year, we, we were lucky to find um, a company called Fable, which we now work with them to talk directly to, to these users. So mm -hmm. it can be through interviews that we do with them. It can be just usability tests that we all send um, our type forms and ask them to perform some, um, some tasks and then understand what are the issues that we have. So we started incorporating accessibility into our normal process as we do, as we usually do with any other feature that we develop that we will send to do usability tests to understand if people understand, if people can use it. We'll also send to do usability tests with assistive technology users. Mm. And this is how it's been improving a lot, um, our work. I think nowadays we still we are still very focused on our respondent experience on how people can answer a type form, but we also see these as as the start ground as how we get all the knowledge that we need to later on start expanding inside type form and start expanding in different areas, which mm -hmm. is what we are starting to do now. Um, mm -hmm. Not that we are actually building now but we are actually in the process of making sure that we can scale these inside type form yeah that's really impressive um and and going back to the idea that you started involving users who use assistive um, technology in your kind of early phase usability tests um did you observe any of those sessions or were you part of any of those sessions Yes, yes, yes. And I think for me, these, these were the sessions that were life-changing in the sense yeah. of you, you really had no idea of, um, of how people use it, of how people interact with not only type form, not only our forms, but also with online experience in general. Mm -hmm. And I think it was after these that you understand that, yes, I can't consider my work done if I haven't considered these users. Um, like if, if I haven't got to the point that these users can use, my experience is still broken. Like I'm not making sure that everyone can use our product. So yeah. all these interviews and tests that we did were really, really helpful to really understand what are the issues that we have. Yeah, I think it's it's really great that you point that out because you know we've had some similar experiences too doing not even necessarily user research, but also other kinds of consumer testing where we've specifically been talking to people who use assistive technology. And once you see even how somebody interacts with their own mobile phone um, who needs assistive technology, it's like you cannot go backwards. So you cannot just forget that these people exist. I mean, it really, even for me as someone who doesn't need that technology, I'm constantly looking at my phone thinking, like, I wonder if this app has, you know, the accessibility settings needed to, uh, you know, to work with assistive tech. So 
I know this is going to sound like an obvious question for you, but just in case, you know, there's somebody out there listening who maybe hasn't started their company, maybe is only at the beginning of trying to incorporate accessibility or inclusivity into their work. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned was that you realized it was important to start including these people at the beginning. Um, mm. And and I'm wondering if you could comment on that, because I know that there are some companies and brands who maybe they, they design a thing, they design a product, and then... And they want to test it with everybody. So, okay, I want to test it with single moms and I want to test it with teens. And, oh, yes, let's also get some people in here who have who use assistive tech. Why is it important, in your opinion, to involve the, the people who need assistive tech from the beginning rather than at the end? Yeah, I think if you have like, as, as much people as, using, as you involve is... You, you're going to start getting the most feedback out of it and you're going to start getting the most understanding of how things should work online. And mm -hmm. this is going to help you from the beginning to think about all the experiences that you might have and you, you want to consider when designing something, when building something. Um, in our case, um, for us, it was really helpful and our first set of interviews that we did weren't just to test type form with assistive technology, but they were actually just to understand how assistive technology worked. Mm. So we spoke with people that were using screen readers um, or people that were using alternative navigation um, mm -hmm. as Dragon naturally speaking, which you speak, you speak directly to the screen. This was something very new for us. So how would we be able to design and build something if we don't even know how it works? Mm. So when we involved them in the beginning and we were able to interview them, understand how each technology works, how these users interact online, what a good experience means, what a bad experience means, you start understanding that, yes, you need to take all these into account when you are designing um, one, like one small thing that we had no idea, for example, that when you are making um, a drop-down menu, sometimes you have on websites a drop-down menu, and we have at a, a type form, and we are working to fix this. That a drop-down menu that when you hover, you show the options inside the drop-down, and if you hover out of these options, um, the the options will will collapse again and hide mm -hmm. it. For someone using Dragon Naturally Speaking, that they can only access that by voice or by a grid on the screen, it's impossible mm. for them to select this because oh, wow. every time they try to go to an option, the screen will understand that they are moving out of the menu and it will close the menu. So. The simplest thing is just making sure that when you click, it opens, and when you click outside, it closes. And this was a big change because like, we had no idea that these were like this. So I think having these interviews in the beginning and making sure that we understood these made, um, a, made uh, a big difference in how we design, how we build our features. 
Yeah. No, I think that's a it's a great point. And it talks a little bit to a bigger subject that we we hear about at MindSpark all the time, which is, um, as you know, we focus a bit on user research um, and your product design. And a lot of times we hear that product design folks really want to pour their heart into something and then test when it's close to finished. Um, and so, you know, for us, we're always trying to advocate for the idea of including the user mm -hmm. voice throughout the process. And there are some organizations that are better at this than others, of course. It can be quite challenging for sure because of certain things. Um, but so I guess, is is your experience that Typeform is, you know, particularly uh, open to involving the voice of the of the users throughout the process based on your experience with the accessibility work that you've been doing? Yeah, I, I think we, we've been improving a lot. I think we are we're getting more mature as a company and as we get more mature, we are um, including more and we are um, bringing more people in the beginning. So I think this started as just the to make sure our respondent experience was accessible. But nowadays, we are not only um, starting to interview assistive technology users to make sure that our respondent experience is um, is accessible, but starting to to include them in general interviews that we might have that we want mm -hmm. to understand the perception. Um, of Typeform or any other interviews that we might um, that we we perform at Typeform. So mm -hmm. we've been looking at including more and more users and diverse uh, type of users to make sure that we can get the complete picture. Yeah, that's really impressive and and. And I think you've given us already a couple of really interesting examples, like with the drop-down menu and not even understanding necessarily how a screen reader works until you see one in action. Um, when you think about other product designers that might be working somewhere else, what's something that you think that they could learn from all of the steps that Typeform has been taken uh, has been taking in order to be more accessible? What are some of the things you think? Okay, if I was a product designer somewhere else now that i know everything i know from typeform this is something that i would i would encourage other designers to think about as well yeah i think i think the first thing that comes to mind to me is that this is something that takes time mm. um, it's not something that um i would never expect that even though i think i have a little bit more experience with accessibility now i i, I don't consider myself an expert at all but <laughs> i think even though i have a little bit more experience with this i wouldn't assume that if i go to another company and say that look we need to make it accessible i would think that in the next week or month everything would be accessible and everything would be working it's not, and especially in bigger companies, these may take a lot of time. Um, these, mm -hmm. um, you might have a lot of people that you need to convince, and then you, you need to change their, their mindsets to it. But just make sure that you are constantly moving forward. So don't try to make sure that everything is accessible next week, but just try to make sure that 
it is evolving there and things are moving forward on the right direction. So mm -hmm. I think for me, this, this was the biggest learning um, at, at Typeform. And this yeah. is how we've been able to continue making it accessible every day. Um, yeah. I think design-wise, a lot of us designers, we, we have a concern that if we need to make a, an experience accessible, we might break the, our, our visual guidelines or we might make it visually inconsistent. And I, I think this is just a myth. Um, mm. I think especially if you plan from the beginning, if even before you have the final solution, you already start taking accessibility into account, you will be able to make sure that all the accessibility features that you need to make sure are there also make part of the, the visual identity of your brand, of your product. And I think the last one is some people also think about accessibility as being a lot of constraints for you to work. Mm. But we need to understand that up until a point, constraints are really good for our creativity. To, yeah. to have a set of constraints will help us be more creative and yeah. um, bring the new ideas. So don't, don't think about these as something bad. Think about these as something good that it will make you a better designer um, in, in the sense of your craft and, yeah. and embrace it. I think that's a great point because I, I most people I know um, end up being the most creative when the problem that they have to solve has several pieces, several variables that they need to understand. If you're just given a blank canvas and said, like, paint me something. It, mm -hmm. You can be like, oh, <laughs> but if you're saying, well, I only have these three colors and I'd like you to paint me a house, then mm -hmm. you start to think, okay, how can I make a house with these three colors and some really good work comes out. So I think that's a really great point that you've said. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask you um, about, you know, the design, you know, product designers and also that kind of relationship with research Again, you've given us such great examples about things that you saw that, you know, sort of opened your eyes to what the experience is like for another type of user. I'm just wondering what you think, how do you think accessibility work could be successful if there was not research involved? So instead of saying like, what's the role of research? I'm going to say, imagine that you did not do user interviews with these people. Do you think you still could have achieved the same amount of progress in, in accessibility? I, th I think you could achieve some, but not the same. Um, mm. I think as any, as any other work that you might do design-wise, you can think about, um, about your knowledge, about the experience that you have and try to apply that. But this will not be a complete experience. It, it mm -hmm. is a lot about what happens whenever we do usability tests. And we know that. Um, we really think that, okay, we built this and we really believe that the users will do these and go here and do that. And then when you start doing usability tests, it's something completely different. And this is already an experience that we believe we understand. But if we take these into experience that 
we probably do not have much idea of how use, uh, assistive uh, technology uses interact. This is even, I think this gets even bigger, this difference between what we know and the reality. So mm. for me, it's, if you don't bring user research into it, you are missing a lot of the learnings that you would be able to have. And even though you might be able to improve a bit, I think you will have a limit that you won't be able to pass. And you probably might be able to create an accessible uh, experience, but it might be that it is accessible but not usable. And I think this is the big difference that we need to understand that we don't want something to be just accessible. We want something to be accessible and also usable. And this is where I think user research will make the most difference. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, um, talking about what you were saying in the previous point about constraints, I have to say as a user researcher that we also face constraints, right? Because it's not easy to to do research with um, participants who, for example, use assistive technology or or have mm-hmm. varying different levels. So there's always ways that we have to be creative and say, okay, how do we reach them? Do Are we mm-hmm. sitting next to them in a lab? Do we do something remotely? Is it moderated, unmoderated? How does the tools we are using to do the tests cooperate with their screen readers and things like this? So I guess I was just wondering from your perspective, as someone who is almost in a way a consumer of the research, right? So the research mm-hmm. happened and you observed and you were benefiting from the findings. Are there any thoughts or ideas that you have about maybe some ways that user research can improve in terms of accessibility or maybe ways that you see it evolving in the future um, to, to be more accessibility friendly? It's a hard question. More, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it is a hundred percent about always bringing um, assistive technology users to your research. You need mm. to make sure you bring because, again, it's not only how they use the the product that you have, but how they experience that that product. And this this is very different. Uh, think about um, think about uh, a screen reader user. Um, it's their experience is totally. It, it can be totally different than the experience that a sighted user might have mm-hmm. when scanning through your website. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that the experience are closer as possible, but not only closer as possible, but make sure that it is a very good experience to these screen reader user as well. Um, and in the sense of evolving the um, evolving these user research for me, it's making sure that not only you always bring these users um, to, to your research, but also that you get the learnings from these, you can apply the learnings. And then when you can do more user research, you can go a bit deeper into the, because you already have the learnings from the previous one, you can go a bit deeper and you can get more details and you can try to to improve the experience even more. I think Mm. 
you get to a point that you not only want to make sure that the experience works, but you also want to delight these assistive technology users. And yeah. I think this is when you get to a point that, yes, like you feel so comfortable that you already achieved what you want, that you want to show even more and you want to make sure that they have even an even better experience than just a normal one. Yeah. One of the debates that's going around in the research circles at the moment is that there are some research agencies, for example, who are saying we should invite assistive technology users even when the client does not ask us to. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as you are saying, like, have you considered this experience? And, and there are certain of us who believe that you're not really doing comprehensive research on the product unless you're including these various different user types. Um, mm -hmm. what, what would be your reaction to, to that? Obviously, in Typeform's case, it wouldn't be an issue, right? Because mm -hmm. you would be delighted to see such a, such a mix. But imagine, I don't know, you were working at another organization. How, what are, what's your opinion on us just saying, well, we think you need to hear from this perspective as well? Yeah, I, I think it, it would be wonderful if everyone could um, could experience these and see how assistive technology users interact, especially if they are interacting directly with their, uh, their product. So if you can add um, if you can add a user and then you can show to the client like look, this is how a screen reader or this is how an alternative navigation user tries to interact with your product and you can see that they are not able at all. I think this would help a lot people to empathize a bit more and start shifting a bit to invest a bit more time into making sure the experience is um, inclusive for everyone because a lot of people think that they are very small issues that, yes, people can use your website or your product. They just can't use as well. But in reality, it is not. Sometimes you can't even go through the, I don't know, the, the top bar menu there, the navigation. And this is where you stop and you can't do anything mm. else. Yeah. And I think if you see that people cannot do this, maybe you're going to start shifting a bit your mindset to understand that, yes, like it should, um, you should start considering um, assistive technology users as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, we'll keep that in mind, I'll say. But someone <laughs> at Typeform told me it's a good idea. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so one last question for you is, again, I know you've given some great examples throughout this conversation, which have been really wonderful to hear about. Um, is there any other kind of example that you're particularly proud of, of maybe some things you've helped to change at Typeform because of your, you know, listening to um, all different user types and, and focusing on accessibility? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one, so one thing that was also very surprising for us was regarding keyboard navigation. Mm -hmm. um, you were able in some of our question blocks um, to use the keyboard to answer. But so if we look at each one of them separately, you might have said that, yes, they work because you can use the keyboard. 
But when you built the whole type form and you put everything together, you weren't able to you you weren't able to answer the type form only with a keyboard. Mm. And after we started doing tests and understanding what was working and what was not, we starting uh, we started making sure that you could use just a keyboard to go through the whole type form. And nowadays you can answer a type form only with a keyboard. And wow. what we don't track um, assistive technology using uh, type form, but we know when people use the keyboard to answer a type form. Mm-hmm. And we saw um, we like more than duplicated the number of people that were answering type forms with the keyboard after we w- made sure that people could. So, and we are sure that this was not only people that were trying to use the um, a, a screen reader, for example, and weren't able, but we know for sure that it was also people that just found it easier to use the keyboard and not even touch their mouse. And they mm-hmm. were going through the type form with a right. keyboard. So we helped it a lot to improve the, the experience for everyone it was not only for assistive technology users, but for every other user as well. Yeah. Um, That's a great example of the idea. Um, de- design for accessibility is designed for all. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. when you design with that in mind, it makes the situation easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, this for, for us was one of the biggest learnings we had. And I think the last one was, especially with uh, one of the interviews that we did with a Dragon Naturally Speaking um, user, mm-hmm. was to be able to see that he was able to answer a whole type form only by voice. So he was able to interact with um, all of our blocks and type form, and the whole type form only by answering by voice and and completed and and this was really nice to see as well. Yeah, which, I can imagine. Um, yeah, made made us feel really good and and proud of the work, even though we still know that there are a lot of work to still to be improved. Yeah. So I know you mentioned this a bit at the beginning in terms of the the teams that exist within Typeform. Um, I assume that there's also a lot of this work being done as well on the creation of the form, right? Because a lot of this has been about what it's like for a user to answer a form. Um, mm-hmm. But I presume that also for the people who are building a Typeform, um, there's some accessibility work happening on that side as well. Yeah, so I think now, this is what we spoke earlier and it's now that we got all these learnings on how to bring accessibility to the respondent experience and not only thinking about the respondent experience but thinking internally at Typeform, how we Mm -hmm. can make sure that every work that we do and every every feature that we ship is accessible we are starting to expand these for other teams as well and i think our goal but still a long-term goal is to make sure that assistive technology users will also be able to create type forms um, in an assist um, in an accessible way Mm -hmm. Um, but we also have another point there that because now we understand what makes uh, an inclusive and assistive 
um, and an accessible experience. We want to make sure that our creators can provide this accessible um, experience to their respondents. Because Typeform is so customizable and you can change the colors, for example, if you change a lot, it might be that your the colors that you chose are not accessible between them. Mm. So we also are starting to look into ways to check the Typeform for you and let you know what is accessible and what is not and how you can fix whatever is not accessible. So nowadays, for example, when you when you add an image to your type form, you can also add um, an alternative text to the image. Mm -hmm. That's but great. Even though we try to already get the alternative text, it might not be the best text or you might erase. And we want to make sure that you always include um, so that anyone can understand what the image um, is about. Mm -hmm. And But we want to start being a bit more helping a bit more our creators on these as well. Yeah, I think that's really great because, you know, one of the most basic accessibility things um, that we see a lot is, for example, when somebody has a very dark background and then the text is in a light color or even like a bright, almost like a neon or highlighter color, um, this can cause a lot of uh, visual issues. I mean, even for sighted people, but sighted people who maybe have a certain type of color blindness or um, any kind of impairment that isn't a full visual impairment, it can still cause quite a lot of issues. So it's mm -hmm. one of the things that we have to be like, you know, even when designing a website or putting up some copy on our own page, we have to be like, oh, yes, right. And so I think if Typeform is developing something that helps the creator think about all of these things, even simple ones. I mean, it can go a really long way to making sure that everyone is using Typeform more happily. Yeah, that, that's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay, well, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much, Yuri, for answering all the questions. I don't know if you have any final thought you want to leave us with about maybe um, things people should keep in mind if they're wondering, should I start thinking about accessibility? Should I get involved with this somehow? Should I raise it to my supervisors or should I raise it to my product owner that we should be looking at this? Any, any thoughts from you uh, to end the interview? Yeah, I think if everyone could raise these, uh, would, would be great. Uh, but I also understand that uh, sometimes it's it's hard um, and you might not be able to. But I also try to do these for yourself in the sense of you becoming a better designer, making sure that you are covering everything. And we, we have everything online, so you can learn everything online as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of companies nowadays talking about accessibility um, design companies. I think Microsoft, for example, has their um, accessibility kit in Figma as well that anyone can check. So mm -hmm. we have so many resources nowadays that you could try, maybe even if your company is not going to implement these, it's not going to use these, you can try to start using yourself there for you to learn and maybe these will be the beginning of you start shifting something internally and mm -hmm. which I highly encourage you to do. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Yuri, for joining me today. It was such a great conversation. I loved hearing about all of the different things that you're getting done at Typeform. It's really impressive. So thank you to you for all the great work that you're doing and to your colleagues. And thanks to everyone who is listening. Um, and yeah, see you soon on the next one.